jury's still out, huh? Okay. Hey, if it's your first time here today, my name is Craig, and my wife Patty and I get to pastor this amazing, awesome church, and I am so glad that you are that awesome church. Thank you for being here. Thanks for being a part. The rest of our church is watching online. Will you put your hands together? Help me welcome the rest of our family watching online. Facebook, YouTube, Church Online Platform, we love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Glad you are here. Okay, how many of you remember, and I remember, 1990? Raise your hand. You remember it. Some of you might be a little like, I wasn't even born yet. All right, we'll go back a little further because that was very few hands, but we're going to go back further and narrow the herd, all right? How many of you remember 1974? Okay, yeah, look at, look at, that's a young crowd right here, baby, I love it. Well, for, don't mean to alarm you, but yes, I was alive in 1974. In 1990, something amazing happened. In 1990, I was in college, and I met this cute little girl named Patty. And the end of the story is really good, because we've been married for over 30 years now, so that's pretty cool. Um, but I met this little girl named Patty. She walked into class late, which I found out that's just her mode of operation. Um, and she walked in, and she had on this little skirt, and I was like, oh, girl, come on. What's your name, girl? Anyway, I met her, and we started dating, and things were going well, and so it was time to take her home to meet the mom. Come on, how many, see, not mom, come on. The mom. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody, anybody take that awkward trip back home with the other? I, am I the only one? All right, well, in, so it was in 1990, and we go up to Michigan, because that's where I was born. A lot of my family's from Mississippi, but we, anyway, my home was Michigan. And uh, get, get her up there and sit around. And this was before, 1990, so this is before streaming, this is before the internet, this is before, you know, the the cell phone, portable like we have it today where everybody sits around. You know, you get together now and everybody, I haven't seen you in forever. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Anyway, so we get to a tough crowd today. That's all right. Um, so we, we're sitting there and nobody's looking at cell phones because they didn't exist. And so my mom did what all moms do. She said, Patty, would you like to look at some old photo albums of Craig? Would you like to see what he... Now, see, some of you might have beautiful childhood photos that when you look at them, it just makes you proud, and you're just like, oh, I, you were beautiful, baby. Oh, my goodness. And, but, but for some of us, we were a little different. Um, so one of the pictures that caught Patty's eye, I brought with me today. Um, 1974, throw that on up there. This is my family. Uh, tech booth, can you guys zoom in on the small Asian child? <laughs> Take it in, boys and girls. Take it in. Just, Patty looked at this. She flipped through the book, and, and she looked at it, she went, looked at it, she said, I didn't know you used to be Asian. And I said, yeah, I used to be Asian. Michael Jackson used to be black. What's up? Hee-hee. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Look at, yeah, take that down. Thank you. <laughs> it's 
fun to look back now and then. It's fun to glance back now and then. For me, glancing back is a little embarrassing now and then. There's, that's just one photo of many that I could show you that you would, you, you would laugh at me, not with me, and that's totally cool. But glancing back is okay, and I, I like the word glancing because what happens a lot of times is we look back and then we stay stuck back. We, we keep living our life looking at what was rather than stepping into what is and what shall be. And so we, we end up doing, they say, I, I, I hear so you're like, oh, I don't do that, pastor. I've heard the analogy, I saw it on TikTok, where the front windshield of the car is five times as big as the little rear view mirror because we're supposed to live our lives facing forward, praise God. Hey, man, that's what I do. I'm a forward thinker, forward mover, stepping. I'm a shaker, mover, maker. But, but the truth is, we live our lives thinking we're moving forward, but we're always looking back. And the more you drive forward looking back, you will eventually wreck your life because you're not looking where you're going. And we say, oh, some of you are still like, I don't do that. Oh, huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Then why are you dating that guy now, but you're still comparing him to the last guy you dated? Or you got the job, now you got a brand new job, and all you can do is compare your new job to the last job. What are you doing? You're looking, oh, okay, 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 okay. Um, some of you go to a new church. I heard that from the back row. I will go ahead. Thank you very much. Some of you go to a new church, but all you do is compare it to the last church. Well, if they would sing this, or if he would preach like this, or if he would do that, or if they would do this, and we're, we're, what we're doing is we're constantly living our lives in the now, but facing where we used to be and what God did. We even, we even do it in our spiritual life. You get saved or water baptized, and those are beautiful moments, aren't they? Y'all get saved eventually. It's a beautiful thing. Trust me. Jesus is awesome. Um, are you guys saved? Okay, 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 okay. So you get saved. I'm just glad some Christians, I'm, I'm glad y'all are here. We'll pray for you later. Um, but you get saved and you have that emotional bubble up, right? I mean, it just, it's beautiful. It's amazing. You feel the presence of God or you get water baptized, another beautiful emotional thing and you feel Feel God, and let me help you out if you're a new Christian. Uh, let, let me help you out. Those feelings, no matter how amazing they are, they will always fade. They will always fade. And the danger that happens to so many people is the feelings fade, and so we constantly live our lives trying to get back to that moment. And so we get saved again, or we get water baptized Again, or we try to redo all of these things to get us back to somehow generate this feeling of what it used to be, and you end up living your life backwards. And I'm trying to get all of us in this series to turn. And, and do we glance back? And again, I like that word because we glance back, because when we glance back, it gives us a great praise quotient for moving ahead. But we don't live facing that way. 
Does that make sense to anybody? We don't live our lives where it's like, well, God did that, and I'm so glad he did that, and I'm just going to stay right here the rest of my life. God has so much more for you and me in this church than what he did. What he did was awesome. It's amazing. We should praise him for it all day, every day as we live. However, we have to turn and recognize that God has so much more for us than what we're currently walking in. And that's why we're taking up this offering and doing this special thing November 19th. Do you know when that is? That's seven days away. Seven days away. Next Sunday. And you got this offering envelope in your worship guide. And the reason you got it this week is I'm really encouraging all of you. If you are in a family, then do this as a family. If you are single, then do it with you and Jesus. Take this home and pray about it. Like, Pray about it. Say, God, what do you want me to give above and beyond my tithe? Because, again, if you're new and you don't really know how that all rolls, tithe is um, it's a, it's a discipline. Tithing, bringing our tithe to the storehouse, that is a biblical discipline of spiritual life. And we bring tithe means 10%. So we bring 10% of our income in, and we give that every single week or every month whenever, whenever you get paid. And what does that do? That, that pays for all of this. That pays to keep the engine of the church running, Right? staff and electrical and plumbing and toilet paper aren't you glad you got toilet paper anybody use the toilet paper it's great you paid for it enjoy you know go for it um, so that's what we use that for but this offering this wild offering that we're taking up next week i really want you to pray about it because it's going to help us not just maintain and do we have to maintain and do but i'm just crazy enough that i believe god is more than just maintaining what we do that he has so much more for us and there's a harvest out there that we need to be a part of bringing it into the storehouse so i get you know i'm just going to teach today i just i'll just teach that's what i'll do i'll just teach so here's how we spent your tithe money um because we bring tithe, the tithe comes in, and then as a church, does the Bible say this? No, we just think it's a really good practice. If it works for the individual, why would it not work for the church? So we send our tithe out as well. Put up this first graph. This is also, you can also scan the QR code and put, uh, click on 2023, and it'll give you the numbers there. Why do we put it in your phone? Here's why we put it in your phone. Number one, we're going real digital this year, this coming year. And the other thing is, so you can take it with you, because we're not ashamed of how we spent the money. We're excited about it. Because we're advancing the kingdom of God with how we're doing this. Good job, Craig. Okay. Um, so you saw a video from One Hope there, top left corner, 6100 to the, the kids around the world. 1010, Italy for Christ. We talked about this last week. And then um, I really should have brought my phone again because I can't read this. I'm so sorry, guys. Servolution. And these are things that you can read unless you went to Horn Lake and then ask the person next to you. Um, so that's how we've spent your time. Give me the next one. What's the next one up there? And Trinity Health, yes. Um, you got your new chairs? Woo-hoo! Got new AC units? Woo-hoo! Building maintenance is still, oh, yeah. I want to point out the top left yellow circle. It's one thing to say that we are a church for the next generation and the, the now generation, it, but we're, we're not just saying it, we're putting our money where our mouth is. $125,000 this year towards your kids and your teenagers. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, next one. We did some cool soul work, got some people led to the Lord, 475 people made decisions for Christ, 287 volunteers, Servolution over 3,000 hours, actually over 4,000 hours. 
baptism, 85 people water baptized, uh, 17, not 100, 117 kids dedicated. That'd be a lot of kids. 17 kids dedicated. God's doing some awesome stuff. Let me show you what we're getting ready to do. Throw this next one up here. I'm not going to read all those. Um, I'll let you read it while I just talk here for a second. This is what we're going to do. And you might say, well, what, what are we going to, which ones are we doing first? Well, top of the list. And what, then, well, then what, are we going to do all of it? We will do as much as the generosity allows. We move at the speed of generosity. We do call ourselves, it's one of our values that we are an irrationally generous church. That's not just finances, that's in time, that's in talents, that's in everything we come together. We just want to give our best and we want it to be excellent and we want to be generous with what he's given us. And so that's what we're moving into, all right? So you can take that down. So here's the deal. Last week we talked about the the woman at the well, John 4. Anybody remember John 4? Four people. Great. So the rest of you weren't here. That's great. New people. Wow. Do y'all remember last week? The majority of you. John 4. Y'all got John 4. Okay, John 4. There was this lady at the well. Jesus starts out by saying, Jesus had to go through Samaria. And we talked about that, how the Jews were so different from the Samaritans that the Samaritans were the people that they were the wrong, I say wrong race, and I don't mean wrong race, I mean they were the wrong race in the Jewish eyes. Does that make sense? I'm not saying they were the wrong race, but uh, let me say it a different way. They were a completely different race, they were a completely different denomination, they were a completely different voting block. Everything about them could not be more different. But Jesus said, no, no, there's something in me that I have to go through Samaria and I'm taking you disciples with me whether you want to go or not. Sometimes we got to be dragged to where God wants us to go. So Jesus, it's not in scripture, but I just kind of see Jesus almost dragging them along and you know, they... They bail out first chance to go get some food, go get a little falafel or something, some hummus. And so Jesus is sitting down at the well. The disciples are gone for some, some food. And this lady comes up, a Samaritan, and he says, hey, girl. Well, he didn't call her girl. He says, hello, darling, because he's British. Hello, darling. Can I get some water? And she's like, uh, why are you talking to me? I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. We don't talk. We don't even get along. Why? What's up? And he's like, listen, if you knew who was asking you for water, you would ask for a living water because it'll change your life. And she's like, oh, and she starts this whole thing about religion and all these conversations, and Jesus is like, hey, girl, go get your husband. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't have a husband. He went, ding, 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 you right, winner, winner, chicken dinner, because you've had five husbands, and the dude you're shacking up with right now, knocking boots, he ain't your husband. And so she changes subjects real quick. She said, well, they say we worship over here, and I worship. It's like, bro, you changing the subject on me, right? And so Jesus tells her this stuff, and they have a great conversation. If you didn't read it last week, I suggest you go home and read it. It's a beautiful story. But it comes down to this right here, John 4, 25. The woman said, after they have this all conversation about the husbands and worship and all this stuff, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus, don't miss this part. You need to underline this. People skip over this part. This is so important. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Another translation, he says, I am. I am the Messiah. You say, well, well, yeah, we already know that. But did you know this? 
This is the first time Jesus confesses out of his mouth, no tricks, no side questions, where he just confesses, I am the Messiah. He says, disciples have asked before, and what does he do? If you go back and read the Bible, he, he, he'll sidestep the question, or the Pharisee said, hey, are you the Messiah? And he said, hey, what do you think about John the Baptist? It's like, Jesus, just answer the question. Why does he answer the question here in the wild to somebody that he should never even be talking to, and he hasn't even said that to his very own disciples? I think, a little Craigology here, I think it's because when you have certain strong Christians, they want to put their political baggage on every single thing, and they want to put their denominational stuff on every single thing. But when you start offering true hope to a truly hopeless person, all of that stuff does not matter, because now they realize all of a sudden, you mean there's hope for me? You mean there's a chance that I can have a different life? You mean I don't have to live in my sin, shackled to this addiction for decades? I can be set free? And she's like, I am the Messiah. The disciples couldn't hear it, but this lost person could. Have you ever noticed when you talk to somebody, and I hope you have these conversations, but have you ever noticed when you talk to somebody who is truly lost, who they're truly in a difficult situation, you know, they're just like the far, far. Anybody know? No, you know, you're talking to the far, far, right? I'm not sure that's a word or two words, but you're talking to the far, 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 far. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sometimes I just make myself laugh. I, if you're not entertained, I am. Anyway, you talk to somebody from the far, far, and their questions, they really could care less about all the extra baggage that we love to bring into this thing. The bottom line is they just want to know, is there hope? Now, it might be colored in a bunch of silly different questions, but just like Jesus getting to the bottom of it, it's like, uh-huh, the Messiah is your hope, and I am he. That's what Jesus says. We have to take that into that, that environment. And so, so she takes this information, right? You guys, if you don't know the story, John chapter 4. She, she takes this information. There's hope. There's a Messiah, and he's right here. And she runs back to the village where she's from to get all the people. Now, you need to understand something. Oh, see, so you already fast-tracked. No, no, back up, back up. Jesus goes into the wild and takes his disciples. He meets this lady who was in the wild, and he transforms her life with a simple conversation. And then she runs into the wild back of her where she came from into that difficult situation. You say, well, what's so difficult about it? Can we be honest for a second? She's lived in the same town forever. Um, if you had five husbands... that all had five families and you shacking up with a sixth man with a sixth family? How many know that's a complicated Thanksgiving dinner? <laughs> Come on, some of you are like, yeah, yeah, that's my life right there. <laughs> she goes back into that environment and what happens? She takes the chance with a difficult conversation and they all come out to meet this man Jesus. Verse 30 says this, so the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging, okay, so these two things are going on at the same time. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? Who went to the Starbucks? Who went to Sonic? What's up? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God. 
I'm going to keep looking down while I say this purposefully. My nourishment comes from doing the will of God. One of the biggest complaints I hear is, well, I'm finding a new church because my pastor doesn't feed me. I'm not fed. I'm just going to keep looking down. I wasn't fed there. And then you look at the scripture that I'm looking at, and it says, my nourishment comes from my pastor. No, 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 no. My nourishment comes from doing what I've already been taught to do. And a lot of times I think we, we end up being weak Christians because we're not being nourished by doing the works that God has already taught us and called us to do. My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say wake up and look around. And so when he says this, the people, what, what, all these Samaritans are coming out of the village and Jesus is like, hey, stop talking about food, stop worrying about this. Look up at all the people that are coming if you wouldn't have left the first time for food and now you're fixing to miss it again just to be comfortable Wake up, look up, and look around. There is a whole harvest of people that need to know who I am. The fields are already ripe for harvest, but the harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. Why are we taking up an offering? Because you got money. Oh, did you miss that part? You're paid good wages. I should be paid more. You're paid good wages. Just move on, Craig. Okay. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants, another harvest. And then here's a verse that changed my life, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't even plant. Others had already done the work, and now you get to gather the harvest. When we planted this church, um, years ago, 17, 18 years ago, 17 years ago, um, I, I'm going to confess here, at that time I did not want to live in Mississippi, okay, I didn't want to be here, my dad's side of my family, they're all from here, my grandfather was a church planter here in Mississippi, um, started out in uh, Hattiesburg and, and worked their way up and everything, and so Mississippi was in my family, in my blood, and I didn't want to, anybody ever not want to go back to where your family blood is, you know what I'm saying, come on somebody, come on, come on, come on, huh? I came here on vacation enough as a kid, smelled the paper plants. Ooh, glory, glory, glory. Um, but I didn't want to be in Mississippi, but that's where God has called us to be. And so I was really, during that time, me and God were not really getting along. Have you ever not gotten along with the Father? It's just me. We were fighting. We were fighting. We were arguing. He wins, by the way. But anyway, we were arguing. And um, we were unpacking boxes. We had just moved here. And one of the boxes had memorabilia written on the top. And I hadn't opened it in years, in several moves. I was like, oh, I forget what's what's in here, you know? So I opened the box, and the very first thing on the top of the box was my grandfather's Bible. Mr. Church Planner from Mississippi, my grandfather's Bible. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me loud, and he said, the reason I brought you here is to reap a harvest that you never planted. And I said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And some of you have been planting seeds here in this area. Some of you have been here when State Line Road was dirt road, right? I won't ask you to raise your hand because you'll be like, you're probably too old to raise your hand. But anyway, um, I'm just kidding. 
But some of you remember this as a movie theater. Some of you remember you went to movies here. You went skating here. You went to the, you, you went to the bar over there. You, you went to the place in this building, and it was memory. And whether you realize it or not, you were planting social seeds in the house. There's people that have been planting seeds in this area and in this area for a long time. And now what's our opportunity? Our opportunity is to reap a harvest that we never planted, but we're going to keep planting at the same time. We're going to reap the harvest that somebody else planted. We're going to plant a harvest that somebody else is going to reap. We're part of the kingdom of God, and it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And you will never find the harvest if you're always looking back at what God has done. I'll just keep talking. Okay, let me tell you another story. You didn't like the woman at the well, so let me tell you another story. This one will be so much fun. You guys remember Sodom and Gomorrah? If it, um, there's two cities. Like, right, I went from the woman at the well to Sodom and Gomorrah. You're like, oh, my God, all right. Sodom and Gomorrah. It was two towns. One was called Sodom, and one was called Gomorrah. Sodom is where we get our word sodomite from, um, and I won't define that since there might be kids in here, but if you don't know what that means, Google it at your own risk. Okay. Um, anyway, so... They were, it was just an implorable, evil time, and you guys probably know the story. God was like, I've had enough, and you know, we're going to rain fire down, and I'm going to just wipe these two towns off the map. Well, in those towns was this guy named Lot and his family, and Lot was Abraham's nephew, and they were living a good life, right? They were doing well enough so that God says, hey, they're different. They're not, they're not like everybody else. And so God sent angels to get Lot and his family, and you know what they said? They said, hey, we're going to destroy the city, you need to get out, and he's like, no, we're good, we're going to stay. You don't believe me? It's in Genesis 19, go home and read it. He's like, no, we're good, we're good. He's like, we're going to burn the city down. We're good, we're good. Hey, moron. The Bible says, no kidding, the angels had to come and grab Lot by the arm and drag him out. Isn't it amazing how we can be living right, yet we're so attached to a culture that it takes an angel to grab us by the arm to wake us up and get us out of that situation. It's mind-blowing how we can get so enwrapped in a culture while we're still, we're doing good. Lot was doing good. There's no evidence that they were doing, you know, all that other stuff. But why were they so attached? I, I, think, I think it was just... We get in that same boat, don't we? We can get so attached to a culture. And so you guys know the story. Lot leaves, and the, the angel drags him out. And you guys probably know the story about Lot's wife. We don't know her name. Why don't we know her name? I think because it applies to every single one of us. That's why we don't know her name. It says that she looked back. And that word in Hebrew, it doesn't just mean she glanced. It doesn't mean she, it meant her heart was longing to be back where she was. And the Bible says that she turned into a pillar of salt. Let me tell you something. If we're always living our lives wanting to go back to where we came from, you will turn from a movement into a monument like that. And I don't want to pastor a church that's a monument. I want to pastor a church that is a movement following God into the harvest day after day after day, advancing the kingdom of God, not just stopping and resting on our laurels. That's good. That's real good. I don't, me, me and Tanisha like it. All right. All right. So let me tell you what we're stepping into. Let me just tell you these three things. And yes, I know my time is almost done. And yes, these are super quick, literally, for a purpose and a reason. This is just what we're going to step into in the upcoming year. This is things that I felt passionate about um, as far as our vision and where the Lord is taking us. The first one is this, building transformation. We're going to keep working on this building. This building is an amazing, miraculous blessing of God. It's 100, over 116,000 square feet. God made it possible for us to redeem it out of foreclosure for $860,000. It's on nine acres. That's a ridiculous miracle. 
It's a ridiculous miracle. And in that process, God told me this. He gave me a very specific word for South Point, for us. He said, listen, he said, I want you to redeem this building out of foreclosure, which I'm not going to tell you the whole story because I don't have time, but that was impossible at the time or whatever because it was in foreclosure, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he said, I want you to redeem it out of foreclosure purposely. Don't do anything else but that because this building is going to be a living example of what I'm going to do in people's lives right here in the West End District. And so he said, redeem it out of foreclosure because I have redeemed them out of sin and bondage and I have set them free. And then you're going to remodel it because, listen, just because you've been redeemed and set free out of foreclosure, if you will, you still got some work to be done on the inside. Come on. You, oh, that's right. You guys aren't saved. Okay. You, you got to. I forgot. I forgot. Once you're redeemed out of foreclosure, everything changes. But for the rest of us, there's still work to be done. I know you think, I know your husband thinks he's perfect. But listen, we all have work to be done. And that's why we're going to keep working on this building. It's 116,000 square feet. We've so far remodeled over just a little over 50,000 square feet. So we have a ways to go. That's a beautiful thing. We want to renew this building, renew the memories that are in this place. So many of you have memories, and we don't want to destroy those or just run over those. We want to honor those because every time we glance back, it gives us the praise quotient to go forward. And the only way to get from here to there is to stop living there. We're going to transform this building. Here's the second thing. We're doing a temple transformation. You say, well, I thought that was the building. Oh, no, 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 no. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says this. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself because God bought you with a high price. So honor God with your body. Oh, is pastor getting ready to teach on tattoos? Is that what he's getting ready to do? It is funny, though, you know, we say it's got to be pure and all that, but they hung a lot of pictures on, in the old temples, didn't they? <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, what he's talking about here is this, he's, this verse, you do not belong to yourself. What is that? That is called discipline. As a follower of Jesus Christ, we need disciplines in our life. Nobody likes disciplines. Nobody, I've never heard anybody say, you know what I need in my life? I need more discipline. You might, you might say that, but you don't mean that. Because nobody likes the disciplines. But as we grow in faith, we need, and I'm going to do a lot more teaching on this in the 2024, is this beautiful thing called discipleship. Because we have to stop being barely saved. We have to stop being barely saved. I feel it's like this. You had... Maybe some of you are still living here. Okay, but you had this, you have this sinful life like a little campfire, you know, and, and there's all a flame of passions and all this stuff, blah, right? And then the Lord sets you free and you get saved and that fire, it dwindles down to this little smoldering thing. And instead of moving on, what we end up doing is staying around this smoldering flame of a campfire of our past life and every time a piece of wood pops a little spark, I hope you're getting my analogy. Every time a piece of wood pops a little spark and gets on us, all of a sudden we're like, oh, 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 and we repent again. We get saved again. We get baptized again. We do all of these things. Why? Because we're still living around this little past fire of our past. What if 
We stood up from that and said, I am saved in the name of Jesus Christ. And I'm walking this direction into the harvest because I've got to tell somebody else what he did for me. I'm not going to live right here. I'm going to live right here. And living right here takes discipline. Discipline. And we're going to talk about that and uh, work through that. But we've got we've to work on that. You've got, we've got to learn to be able to stand strong and win the fight while living in Babylon. Okay. Here's the third one. Third, third thing we're stepping into is outlook transformation. We're just changing how we're looking at the world. Do you guys know what happened in 2007? A couple things really world-changing happened in 2007. The first world-changing thing that happened in 2007 was we planted South Point Church. What? Okay, it changed my world. I don't know. Anyway, we planted South Point Church. The second thing that really happened was the digital revolution. The digital revolution happened in 2007 by historians and all these people say that's when it happened. Here's what happened in 2007. Here's a quick list. The, um, The iPhone was released. Facebook left the college campus and came to your new iPhone in your pocket. Um, Twitter began. Google bought YouTube and then launched this thing called, uh, this is kind of outdated now, but Google uh, bought YouTube and launched this thing called Android. Have you heard of Android? Anyway. Um, Amazon released the Kindle. Netflix started streaming videos. The internet users surpassed one billion people worldwide. 2007 changed our world. And now some of you, depending on your age, depending on where you are, some of you might hate it. You might hate the digital stuff. You just don't like it. Some of you might love it. Some of you might idolize it. You know, wherever you are in that continuum. Um, But no matter where you are, love it or hate it, the one thing is true. It is now our world. It is now part of our world. And what did Jesus say? He said, go into all the world and make disciples. Here's the deal. We're going to step into the digital world with this new online campus. We are stepping out, doing something brand new, um, where we are going to have, we're going to launch it right after uh, Thanksgiving, I believe. Just nod at me. Somewhere around Thanksgiving, Christmas. Ah, anyway, um, before the end of the year. And... um, it's going to, what it's going to be is a true online campus with an online pastor with um, uh, house church networks from coast to coast all over the nation. Discipleship stuff will be on everything. It'll be a church online, like a genuine church online. And um, I'm really excited about that. And we're going to talk a whole lot about that next week. Um, but today I wanted to just at the close here, I just wanted to introduce you. Every, cam- every campus, every church needs a pastor. And so I'm staying here. I'm going to stay here. Um, I guess I could move to like Maui, though. They have the internet, right? No, I'm staying here. Um, But I wanted to introduce you to our new staff member, our new campus pastor here at South Point Church, because we are expanding, and every campus needs a pastor, right? And so um, this guy's been around for a while. You know him. I think you love him. If you don't, whatever. Um, I do. Will you help me welcome to the stage our new campus pastor, Carson Kruger. He is, uh, they're not saved, you realize that, that's the whole section, they're the ones cheering for you. Way to go, go in that harvest, bro. He is going to stay living in Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, The internet is every 
Is the internet in Arkansas? 14-4 baud modem. Anybody remember those? Okay, anyway. So he's going to stay there and run the campus for us. So you'll see a lot more of him. Um, a lot of it will be on digital platform, but he will be in-house a bit as well because he is now one of our campus pastors. So we're glad to have him on board. Glad to have him on staff. And what I would like to do today is just close out our time together because, yes, I am done. Um, close out our time together. Can we just pray for him? Because you need to understand something. Patty and I, and I shared this with Carson, um, when we started South Point Church, when Patty and I started South Point Church, we were incredibly excited. I mean, we were full of joy. We had gotten a, a prophetic snapshot of this, of this. And just getting to see God do what we felt like he promised, come on, that feels good. I mean, it's just like, okay, Lord, yes, Lord. And so we have that same excitement and joy about this online campus. I really feel like God is getting ready to do something absolutely exponentially mammoth. And I know I put a whole lot of big adjectives in there. Um, I, that's just, that's my God. Didn't he say he would do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think? I can't wait to see what that is. And I think this is a key to that. So will you guys stretch your hands this way? Let's pray for Carson just for a special anointing and wisdom and knowledge. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you so much. I thank you for Carson. I thank you for the gifts, the talents, the skills. I thank you for the, the personality. I thank you for this gift of a man to this house. And so, Father, right now, we just ask that you increase his anointing, that you put a, a mantle on him that he, he had no idea what it was, but it's all you and it's all good all the time because you are an amazing God. And so, Lord, I ask that you bless him that you bless him, that you bless him again and again, that you let everything he puts his hands to be blessed. Father, let him be full of anointing. Give him wisdom, knowledge, intelligence that he didn't even have before. But now, because you are doing this and dragging him into Samaria, into the harvest, into the wild, Lord, that we're going to see amazing, beautiful fruit overflowing the baskets in the kingdom of God. We love you, Father, and we are excited about what you are going to do through South Point in the wild. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, buddy. All right. Stand with me, if you will. Today, if you need prayer for anything, there's beautiful people down front on both sides that would love to pray with you and connect with you. Um, and then also, if you're a follower of Christ and you want to take communion, there are communion elements down front on both sides that you are more than willing to partake of. All right. We're ready to pray the benediction? We're getting down. Should we keep this benediction for 2024 or go back to our old one? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right, let's pray. Now may God, the fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his super abundance until you radiate with hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go get them.